Wishing, hoping, thinking, and praying, um, being and doing, especially as related to the one and other passages in the Bible. That's what we've been looking at. That's what we're going to continue to look at for a couple weeks to come. First week, we talked about love God and just the role that that plays in being and doing all he called and created us to be and to do. Last week, we looked at love one another. And again, just to realize two incredibly simple, direct commands that most of us could spend the rest of our lives working to apply consistently. And then today, my title is Wishing and Hoping Every Team Needs a Water Boy. And let me just say right now, please don't feel compelled to correct or admonish me. I understand that in 2021, the title should be something like, Every Team Needs a Non-Gender-Specific Hydration Specialist. But as I thought about the role of a hydration specialist, I pictured the scene during a timeout at a professional football game. Let's just say the Super Bowl, since that may be fresh for some of you. And I wondered, and this is just where my mind goes sometimes, I apologize, but how much do the people get paid to sprint onto the field during a timeout and precisely shoot a stream of water into Tom Brady's mouth while maintaining social distancing? (laughs) I checked. He makes somewhere between, Tom Brady, that is, somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $35,000 a minute for a football game. No, Tom Brady. I'm thinking that the water boy may not make that in a year. But I thought about, do you ever think this? Do they ever miss? You imagine it's a critical time, they call a timeout, they run out, and they shoot Tom Brady right in the eye with a stream of great Gatorade. And he's got to come out of the game. I mean, even if they get him a little bit in the chin, do they lose their job over that? Okay, I'm done with silliness. Um, But today I want to contend that God calls all of us to be hydration specialists. Proverbs 25, 25 says this, Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Can I just ask you, is there anyone here who could pause for a moment and say, I don't know anybody in my life, who is a weary soul. I suspect all of us know some weary souls. And what I contend is we're all called to bring cold water to those weary souls in our lives. And trust me, I get it. You may be a weary soul. But if we're all doing it, then we're all going to get some cool water. (sighs) Hebrews 3.13 says this, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. Any of you ever have that experience where your day's over, 
you're laying down, just getting ready to try to settle in and go to sleep. And all of a sudden, there's this bolt of lightning of something important you forgot to do. (laughs) Keep some of us awake all night. But just imagine if that bolt of lightning was, oh my goodness, the day's almost over and I haven't encouraged anybody. Two words before I move on. Isolation and community. Isolation, very simply, nobody understands, nobody feels the same pressure, nobody feels the hurts, nobody feels the heartaches, nobody feels the things that I do. Or community. We are all in this together, and together we will make it through. Where do you want to spend your time? In isolation or in community? Again, I said last week, and I will say it again this week, I'm not going to do a whole sermon on each of the one another passages because it would be a really long series. Last week, love one another was important enough that it got its own message. I feel the same way today about the call to encourage one another. And again, those of you that have been here already in this series know where I'm going next. What would it look like for me to ask yourself the question when it comes to the admonition, the command from Scripture to encourage one another, ask yourself, what would it look like for me to encourage others? Imagine if we ask ourselves that every day as our feet hit the floor, as we do our quiet time. Lord, show me what it would look like today for me to encourage others. What needs to change for me to encourage others? What needs to change? And I will say the same thing I said last week, and I'll probably say it next week and the week after that. One of the things for me that has to change is I have to get over myself. All right? If I'm going to encourage others, I have to get over myself. But that's just me. You probably don't have that issue. And then finally, how might it influence others if I were to encourage others? And again, just think about that for a moment. Back to what we said. That cup of cold water, that squirt in the mouth of cool refreshment to a weary soul. I got to believe that if we were to wrestle with those questions and apply them, it would make a huge difference in the lives of the people around me. So again, encourage one another. And I I just need to say, please allow me, indulge me, while I mess with your heart and your mind for just a moment. But just stick with me. If God is who and what we say he is, And if Jesus is who and what we say he is, and if being a child of God who is a follower of Jesus is what we say it is, then shouldn't the local Christian church be the most encouraging place on the planet? You're going to be sorry you said that. (laughs) Is it too much of a stretch To say that if it's not, then either God is not doing his part or we are not doing our part. And we know where that's going to land. (laughs) Just a thought for you to wrestle with as you think about a very simple biblical command to encourage one another. 
Some of you do fitness stuff. Obviously, I don't do a lot of it. But, you know, you got a step tracker, you know. And if your goal is 10,000 steps and it gets to be 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night and you're at 9,000, you're up off the couch and you're walking in circles till you hit the magic 10,000. All right. What if it was encourage one another? I'm going to take a few moments and quickly review some one another or encourage one another examples from the book of Acts. And then I'm going to wrap up by reminding you of some of the encourage one another verses slash commands. First place I'm going to pick up starts in Acts chapter 4. I'm not going to unpack the whole thing, but it talks in Acts chapter 4 about a man named Joseph. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, he's also known as Barnabas. Now, just let me take a side trip here. Any of you have a really cool nickname? Anybody? The only nickname that I can remember goes all the way back to high school. And... And it was Lizard. (laughs) Because apparently I stuck out my tongue when I played basketball. Now, old-timers will understand when I say this. That was before Michael Jordan made it cool to stick out your tongue when you played basketball. Then it was just goofy. All right. But but somebody stuck me with that, uh, and and it hung with me for a long time. This Joseph from Cyprus, also known as Barnabas, his nickname was the son of encouragement. Oh, how cool would that be? Huh? To just be known as Steve, the son of encouragement. Not Steve, the son of a gun. All right. (laughs) Steve, plug your name in, the son of encouragement. And in Acts, it goes on to explain different times when Joseph, or excuse me, when Joseph, when Barnabas lived up to his name. And I mentioned one in my last series of messages where Paul and Barnabas were on a missionary trip and they had a young man named John Mark with them and he kind of gave up and went home and Paul was done with him. And when it came time to go on another trip, Barnabas says, let's give the kid another chance. Paul says, no, one and done, I'm done with the kid. And so Barnabas felt so strongly that he told his good friend Paul, you go on without me, I'm going to go on my own trip, and I'm going to take John with me. And he restored John through being the son of encouragement to fruitful service. Just a great story. And and again, understand, we're talking about Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, but I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. What would have to change for you or I to earn that nickname? What would be different in our midst if a bunch of us became passionate about earning that nickname? Next one, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 yeah, this is a great story. Read Acts chapter 16 sometime at your own leisure. Uh, but I'm just going to paraphrase the quick story. Paul and Silas come into town, and, and they're sharing the gospel, and people are getting saved, and they're just having a great time hanging out, sharing the gospel, and seeing lives change. In the town they're in, there was a young girl. She was a slave girl, and she was possessed by a spirit. And that spirit allowed her to tell the future. 
and her owners made money from her being a fortune teller. Well, this discerning spirit understood that there was something special about Paul and Silas. So after a while, every time they'd walk through town, this girl would start following them and shouting about how they were servants of the living God. Day after day, they'd walk through town and she's just yakking behind them. And, and I'm, I'm projecting a little myself here. But after day after day, Paul had had enough. And one day, they're walking along, and she starts in again, and he stops, and he looks at her, and he commands the demon to leave her. Or, excuse me, the spirit to leave her. And boom, the spirit's gone. Good thing, she's not yakking anymore. Problem being is now her owners aren't going to make money because she can't tell the future anymore because the spirit that let her do that is gone. And they were a little perturbed because Paul and Silas were costing them revenue. And so they started a ruckus. And other people jump in. And Paul and Silas take a beating and get thrown in jail. And then in the middle of the night, they're singing and praising God in jail. God comes. He opens the prison doors. The jailer wakes up because he slept on sight. The jailer wakes up, realizes the doors are open, assumes everybody escaped. He's ready to commit suicide because he knows he's going to be killed because the prisoners escaped. Paul and Silas says, no, no, we're still here. The doors are open, but we're still here. And the jailer says, something's not right with this picture. They share the gospel with the jailer. He says yes to Jesus. They share it with his family. They say yes to Jesus. And everything's great. Two verses from that story. Acts 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. This is a serious humiliating public beatdown, and they're thrown in jail. Or I told you the story. I tell you they get out. All right, great story. They get out. Verse 40, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Now, this is just my warped worldview, but that seems backwards to me. Paul and Silas were the ones that took a beating. Paul and Silas were the ones that got thrown into jail. You would think they would go and the brothers would encourage them and comfort them and minister them. But no, it's the exact opposite. Paul and Silas come to them and they encourage them and then they move on. My question is, friends, if we're admonished to encourage one another, are you allowing God to use you to encourage others because of how he has brought you through your trials. A couple chapters later, Priscilla and Aquila, Acts chapter 18, a couple of people that Paul shared the gospel with, they embrace and they become his co-laborers in, in the ministry. And so Priscilla and Aquila, they're kind of working with Paul. Uh, Paul kind of moves on and, and they hang back. And that's where we pick up with Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man, 
with a thorough knowledge of scriptures. So there's this guy, Apollos. He knows his stuff. He's educated. He knows the scriptures. He is Jewish, all right? He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. So he's a Jew. He learns about Jesus. He's on board, but he doesn't understand the full picture of Jesus yet. But he's still fervently teaching others. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So he's just on fire for Jesus, but he doesn't quite understand the big picture. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So in other words, Apollos is on fire, but his fire is not quite complete. These experienced, slightly more experienced believers, leaders, pull him aside and say, great job. But let's tweak it just a little bit so it's even better. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. So again, after he gets kind of some correction, gets stabilized in his faith, they encourage him, they write endorsements, and they send him out in ministry. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Here's my question. Would Apollos have ended up with a successful ministry without the encouragement of those who spoke into his life? We don't know. But my next question is, who in this room or who in your life might be more effective in their efforts to serve God if you were to encourage them. Just think about it. Who might be more effective if you were to encourage them? Then the final example from Acts. The unknown brothers. These guys are awesome, and they don't even get to know them by name, all right? (laughs) I just call them the unknown brothers, because we don't know. Paul, again, a little bit more of Acts story. Paul's arrested. He's beaten. He's on his way to Rome to be tried, because he's a Roman citizen. He gets shipwrecked on the way. Crazy stuff happens. He finally gets to Rome in Acts chapter 28. He just gets close to Rome, and we read this. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming. This is Luke writing this because he's traveling with Paul. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Apius and the and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Two things. I don't know how far they traveled, but they made a concerted effort to go and meet Paul as he was arriving. And my question there is, when was the last time you made a conscious, significant effort just to encourage someone? And then I go back to the beginning where it says, encourage one another daily. Maybe, maybe, just stretching it here, we ought to do that every day.
And then the other part of that. Oh, tiny little dot. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Who's encouraged just by the sight of you? What an amazing thought. Just looking at somebody. Oh, wow. That's like a cup of cold water, just the sight of them. Now, a few of the one another passages. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So again, that just, it just says it very simply. Encourage one another and build each other up. You're already doing this, but don't stop. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep leaning into it. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Then Paul goes on to unpack that. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. And hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Getting a sense for what it might look like to encourage one another, build one another up. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Encourage one another and build one another up. Hebrews 3, see to it, brothers and sisters, that no one of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So don't be that way. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Again, just pointing out what's sandwiched in the middle. It says, see that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. Encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I don't think it's a stretch to say that encouraging one another daily protects us and protects others from sin. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur one another on. Encourage one another. And then he comes right out and says it. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. What that says to me is the worse things get, the more we need to encourage one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. Then finally, depending on your translation, it says goal or purpose. Colossians 2.2, my goal or my purpose in life is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. My goal, my purpose, 
is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. What might it be like if we left here today and we claimed that? My goal, my purpose is that people may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Now, now go back to what I said earlier. Remember I said, just encouraged by the sight of them? Don't, don't elbow anybody. Don't look at anybody else in the room, all right? But I'm going to guess that maybe I'm not the only person that has ever been out in public and seen someone and gone the opposite way. I, I'll own it, all right? I won't name names, but I'll own it. But if it's somebody who is a son of encouragement, I never duck an aisle to avoid them. I'll go out of my way to walk by them because they're going to give me a shot of cold water. What if we left here and we owned that it was our goal that people we come in contact with would be encouraged in heart and united in love? Friends, I'll just say it. We are each responsible for creating an environment of encouragement that will empower all of us to press forward in the face of whatever comes our way. I find it significant that the references to encouragement that I shared this morning came from a time when the early church was living out a stark contrast On the one hand, they were experiencing astounding miracles and phenomenal growth. While on the other hand, they were enduring terrible persecution and incredible suffering. But through it all, there was a continuing thread of encouragement. I just encourage you, to chew on that a little bit. I know we all have different life experiences, um, but I, I just want to come back to that. What would it look like for me to encourage others? What would it needs to change for me to be on a mission to encourage others? How might it influence others if I were to become an ambassador, a son or a daughter of encouragement? Someone who blessed others just by showing up. Encourage one another. Um, Again, I know we all have different life experiences, as I started to say. But um, I'm going to do something that some of you won't understand, but those of you who have driven a standard transmission will understand what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm going to slow down for a moment. Because it's terrible when you shift without using the clutch. (laughs) So I'm going to slow down. I'm going to push in the clutch. And we're going to shift gears for just a moment. So, Diana, if you'd come up.